Blog Talk Radio. Chicken Whisperer, 
uh, and then scroll down our page, you'll find it. I'll post about it again today and tomorrow and the next day because space is limited. Uh, it's slowly but surely filling up. And uh, um, you can join. It's 2 p.m. this Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time this Thursday. It's going to be a great webinar. Looking forward to that. So uh, I'm heading up to Atlanta later in the week and uh, for our webinar on CDC. Then I'll be heading to Ohio next week. There's a large um, uh, dealer conference with Kalmbach Deeds and uh, Columbus, Ohio. I'll be heading up there for about four days. Looking forward to that. Though I think the weather's going to be a lot colder than it was in South Florida, that's for sure. <laughs> but I'm uh, getting ready for that. And then I'll be back to the homestead, uh, preparing and planning and getting ready for our tour we do every spring. Uh, it also will be sponsored by Kalmbach Feeds, and I believe we'll be in the Ohio area and maybe even some of the states that, that border Ohio. Uh, we haven't even looked at, at where we're going to actually be, but it will be around the Ohio uh, area. We'll be hitting a lot of local feed, seed stores there uh, doing both, a workshop and a book signing and photo ops, and uh, really looking forward to that as we always do as we hit the road. So busy times coming up. It's a busy season, and, uh, but I love it. So we get out, get out there and travel coast-to-coast meeting all my great fans and chicken lovers Time to spread the chicken love. Hey, that's what we're going to do today. Again, we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, coming on here shortly, talking all about brooding. So, uh, hey, very limited commercials during the podcast. We have a commercial break now. We have one a little bit later in the show. That's it. Two commercial breaks uh, for this great show and uh, uh, lots of great, valuable information. So while we're at commercial break, go ahead and go to the restroom, get, take care of some emails, uh, get that pen and paper out because you may want to take some notes when we join Peter right after this commercial break. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. 
They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. A couple of uh, neat things I wanted to share with you. Uh, one, I'll tell you how to win an awesome chicken coop here in a minute, um, or try to win an awesome chicken coop here in a minute. But um, over the weekend and uh, late last week, uh, we did some negotiations and and um, and talked uh, a good bit with a gentleman who is uh, running and promoting a uh, series of uh, preparedness expos around the country, and he really wanted to focus on uh, at the expos because he thinks it's a very important part uh, of people who do the the prepping and the preparedness lifestyle uh, about educating them about the awesomeness of backyard chickens. And um, so uh, I'm going to be doing uh, several um, uh, expo uh, preparedness expo events throughout the country uh, this coming year. It looks like the first one will be the last week in May, uh, May 30th and May 31st up in Cincinnati, Ohio, the Cincy Preparedness Expo. And then there will be one in October in St. Louis. Um, so we'll be heading up there in October, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, in fact, they've got um, Lieutenant Colonel 
Oliver North that's going to be speaking at the one at the uh, at Cincinnati. So, um, but we worked uh, worked it out, and it looks like I will be uh, um, doing a lot of preparedness expos this year, at least uh, maybe one per quarter. Uh, I know they're coming to Atlanta. There may be one down in uh, Tampa or somewhere in Florida. Cincinnati and St. Louis are already on the book, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we enjoy being on the road, spreading the chicken love. Uh, also want to tell you how, if you're not on Facebook, how to win or have a chance to win an awesome chicken coop provided by UrbanCoopCompany.com. And um, let me get down here to where the information is, and I will share with you how you, too, can win this awesome chicken coop if I can find it because um, I just basically want to read it from uh, the Facebook page. So you can go over to our Facebook page again, facebook.com forward slash the Chicken Whisperer, and uh, check it out. But it is the ultimate um, February Chicken Coop contest that has begun. There are many different levels of prizes. The grand prize is a round-top chicken coop from urbancoopcompany.com. We have a first prize of a GQF Hovabater Incubator, We've got a second prize of a Brency Eco Glow Brooder Heater. Third prize, Sweeter Heater Coop Heater, our Brooder Heater. Uh, fourth prize, Chicken Fountain Watering System. Fifth prize, a Peck and Play Mobile Chicken Run. Sixth prize, a Foul pay, uh, Play Product uh, Chicken Swing. And then we've got seventh prize, a one year subscription print one-year print subscription to Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Let me tell you how to have a chance to win that. Uh, to enter this awesome coop contest, please send an email with your name, shipping address, and phone number. Okay, So when you send this email, we need your name, shipping address, and phone number. And you're going to send that to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Okay, Send that email to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Please put coop contest in the subject line of the email. Only one entry per person per email address. If you enter more than once, you will be disqualified. Prizes shipped to the lower 48 states only. Contest started at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 1, 2015. It will end coming up at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 28, 2015. Winners will be selected by random drawing. Winners will be contacted via email and telephone on March 2nd, 2015. No purchase necessary to enter. Contest is not associated with Facebook in any way. Good luck to you. So this is an awesome uh, chicken coop from Urban Coop Company, and um, you'll have a chance to win. Let me tell you, you know how you can win another coop or have a chance to win another coop? Is uh, subscribe to the magazine, www.chickenwhisperermagazine.com. We're giving away a chicken coop. Actually, it's a tr chicken tractor uh, from Woodtex Products in our spring 2015 edition of Chicken Whisper Magazine. It has gone to the printers. Um, it is gone. So uh, it will be being printed, which means it will be mailed. And if you subscribe to the digital edition, it will be coming to your email. So you can read it on your iPhone, iPad, um, laptop, desktop, and all those great things. Maybe even your Nook. I don't know how that works. So, um, hey, we got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown calling in right now. Let's give him a chicken whisperer welcome. <laughs> and we're going to be talking all about brooding. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? Good. You staying warm up there? Yeah, doing pretty good. It's uh, It could be worse. Other people have it worse than we do, for sure, so... Is go go much further north here, and understand down in Tennessee they've got some big problems with ice and and that kind of right. thing. And, and uh, 
No, we we uh, we generally don't get a bunch of stuff here. We got uh, about uh, eight or ten inches uh, late uh, late Monday into Tuesday, and uh, of course that's enough to shut this place down for a week. And uh, but um, yeah, we got the cold temperatures for the most part. Everybody else got supposed to get cold here tonight, which is ab- abnormal for this area. We normally don't, don't if we see anything below. Uh, uh, you know, zero or anything like that, um, or even close to it. Uh, it's it's a rarity, and it's <clears throat> probably supposed to get down around two or three degrees tonight. So we're we're getting close. So yeah, uh, that's that's pretty darn chilly. Uh, it's chilly. We went to Florida, <laughs> Florida, Florida before we came home. It got down to, uh, to uh, some places were twenty eight, twenty nine. I think where we were at was about twenty nine or thirty. But um, that's, that's still cold for South Florida, and um, it, it's very, it's very pleasant outside today. We're back up in South Georgia, so I know a lot of people are getting hit harder this winter. But hey, no, okay, just a few more weeks, very few weeks, and the spring will be here. And in fact, I've seen more people excited that we uh, the time change is coming up in, in two weeks. Uh, they're 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 like, hooray! You know, soon it'll be light until <laughs> 9 p.m. and it won't be getting dark at you know after lunch every day. <laughs> yeah, really. So, I know yeah. a lot of people are excited more about that, but they're glad that spring will be here. The one thing I don't look forward to in spring, especially with travel, because uh, we'll be where last last spring, last year, we were all over Tornado Land and Tornado Alley, uh, Oklahoma and Kansas and Texas, and um, um, it was crazy Missouri. And then uh, this spring, we will be up in the Ohio area, and they're known to get some, some uh, bad tornadic activity up that way. So I don't look forward to that in the springtime at all, but definitely looking forward to it. I got back here to South Georgia, all the daffodils and, uh, are, are blooming and um, pushing through the, the dirt, so even though we did have a cold snap, but um, nonetheless, hey, chicks don't like to be cold, and uh, that's why we set up a brooder for them when we get them and you have a mail order to us. Uh, uh, go pick them up at the local feed and speed, or maybe even we hatch them out. We've been talking about incubation and breeding and all that kind of stuff with that past few weeks. If you missed any of those shows, uh, they're archived for your listening pleasure, folks. All of it, you can go back and tune in. Um, but uh, we talk about brooding, and it is not uncommon. I've seen it plenty of times where a broody hen will hatch out some baby chicks right in the middle of February, and it is freezing temperatures. And, uh, and they live, and they do fine uh, without a heat bulb. But um, So it's not uncommon, but hey, for most of us, you know, for about four to six weeks until they're feathered out, they're going to be in a brooder. We're talking about brooding today with Peter Brown, so I'm going to go ahead and get those pens of paper ready, but I'll turn it over to you, Peter, and I'll chime in here or there uh, uh, when need be about uh, uh, some other things that a lot of times I'm religious about. Like, I'll share one with you right now. Uh, a lot of people get so caught up, and I see it a lot of times posted in things where they'll say, um, I just worded wrong, that's all, in my opinion. It says, the brooder needs to be 95 degrees the first week, and then, <laughs> and then 5 degrees each week after that until you know the temperature of the brooder meets the temperature right. of, of the outside. I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's a great tool. The problem is we don't want our entire brooder uh, to be 95 degrees. I think an area of that brooder to be 95 degrees is fine. But I think if your entire brooder is 95 degrees, you're asking for trouble. You might even lose some birds at that temperature because they're just too hot. They're like us. Some are cold-natured, some are hot-natured. Yeah, and so really an area of the brooder 95 and, and an area, you know, like that, that description, that tool, 5 degrees each week, you'll lower that. Um, but they want to, your brooder needs to be large enough 
need to have, have, have space away from that heat source so they can self-regulate further away, closer up, right underneath, back in the back corner. And you'll see your chicks, that some will be right under that heat source all the time. And uh, some will be kind of far away. Some will be back and forth. But I think that, that people, when they just post that, they get so focused on, oh, my gosh, my whole brooder, every corner, every square inch has to be 95 degrees. And that's just not the uh, case. In fact, I would think it could be detrimental to some chicks uh, versus just having an area uh, to abide by that rule of 95. And so that's that's one of my kind of pet peeves that I share with folks when we talk about uh, setting up a brooder. But I'll turn it over to you and... Uh, my one point is done for the day, so <laughs> I may chime in later about things. But, um, sure. but yeah, anytime you feel like you've got to say something, it's fine with me. I've, I've, I, they, I, I think that one of the interesting things about brooding is that um, everybody has their own, I won't say everybody, but a good portion of people have their own ideas of, uh, you know, what works for them. Uh, technically, um, a temperature closer to 100 is more desirable for a day or two uh, after birds have been shipped in. But I don't think that it's all set in stone. And I certainly do agree with the fact that, um, you know, uh, every inch uh, of the brooder does not need to be 95 to 100 degrees or anywhere close to that. Um, the If you really pay attention to to the chicks and and believe it or not a lot of people don't they set up a brood to throw birds in it and expect them to be pretty much self-sufficient but if you pay attention to them and you watch them you spend a little bit of time with them the birds will tell you what they need Uh, they don't write notes they don't have little neon signs but their actions are going to tell you whether they are comfortable in the environment that you put them in so whether that temperature be 100 degrees or it be 95 degrees or it be 89 degrees, um, just throwing those out there. So um, I would I would feel better uh, for birds of my own if I hatched them. I probably would feel comfortable moving them from a, a hatcher or a, a uh, incubation situation uh, to 95 degrees uh, with, without any problem. And... Uh, but birds that have just been shipped in in the mail, uh, I might tend to want to keep them a little bit closer to the 99 or 100 degrees for the first 24 hours. So that um, here's the reason why, and, and a lot of people don't understand this, um, birds that are shipped in, okay, are, are under stress, big time. Um, for, from the mere fact of, of just shipping, uh, not having anything to, uh, to really eat and drink during that shipping time, and I, I understand the yoke thing and, and the 72 hours, but we, you know we've talked about it time and again on this show. The closer you get to that 72 hours, the closer you have to a dead bird. Um, you know, and you have no idea when that bird was actually hatched. What hour of the day <clears throat> that it was shipped, or the day before it was shipped, was it hatched? When did that 72-hour window of opportunity start? And that's a big deal. That is a big, big deal. Uh, any delay along the along the way is is going to make a, a huge difference. So the, the last thing you want to do is get birds in that are under tremendous stress and chill them all over again. And you might think that 95 degrees, uh, you know, is sufficient, and it may be uh, for a particular group of birds, but not in all cases. So I think you have to kind of weigh it because you don't want a bird to to be shipped in that you're going to put into a brooder 
that is going to spend its time trying to stay warm. So let me try to explain that a little bit. Birds, when they're born, do not have the ability to regulate their, their temperature properly. That's why we brood them. That's why a mother hen sits on them most of the time. And if they, they, uh, if the air temperature is too cold outside, she'll scoot them back under her her, her uh, wing or under her body and and keep them there. Um, and and that's all for a reason. The more energy that those birds expend trying to keep warm, the less energy they have to grow. It's pretty simple. You know, we've talked about it before about a bird that grows, uh, or that's hatched out. And while it looks complete to you and to me and everybody else that touches a day-old chick, I mean, they're, they're cute, they're fluffy, and they're, they're, they're boisterous, and they're fun, and all these other things, but they're not complete. Their digestive system is still going through uh, a, a developmental process. Their immune system is not up and running to full tilt. Uh, don't forget, over 60% of their immune cells lie in that intestinal tract. So if you get it messed up in the beginning, you, you're just always playing catch-up all the time. So I would judge the overall temperature um, on weather conditions outside, weather conditions in the area where you're going to, to brood them. Uh, is the air around them cold? Uh, are they just, uh, you know, the size of, of the brooder lamp that you have? Uh, I can tell you one thing, um, and this is not a commercial for sweeter heaters, but if you have an 11 by 11 inch sweeter heater, it's going to heat 11 by 11. If you have a light bulb hanging, it's going to heat directly under it. Maybe four or five inches are really going to get the heat, but anything once you get away from that. And not having sufficient brooder space under the brooder itself uh, and having birds jockey for position, the ones that are humped up in the middle and they're all up under there trying to get warm, the ones around the edge are getting cold. They're nowhere near as warm. as The ones in the middle, if they're up under that brooder, and they're all humped up and, and bunched up together and lumped up in there, they're cold. And that's what they're trying to tell you. And you don't have enough brooder space as far as, as the heat source is concerned to accommodate those birds if they're all bunched up like that. They shouldn't be bunched up on top of each other. They should be able to get up under that brooder and sit very comfortably. If they're colder, they move more to the center. But there should be enough room for all of them to get under there without piling on top of each other and everything else. I see it all the time. I see people posting pictures of their birds. And, geez, they're like, you know, uh, it's like you threw them all in the big lump in the middle there, you know, and, and, and you, can't, you just can't do that. That's a stress on the birds. And then they wonder why they get coccidiosis. They wonder why they die. They wonder why they get pasty butt. Uh, they wonder why all these other things. So, to me, the temperature is critical. And uh, I won't argue the point, 95, 100, um, it, it, it matters <clears throat> to me as to where the bird came from. If the bird was coming from my hatcher right into a warm brooder, I may start about 95 degrees because I feel comfortable with that. There's only a 5-degree or so differential from the, from the uh, incubator to, to, the, uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the brooder. And I know that they can... Uh, sustain themselves till they get a little comfortable under there with the yolk because I know when they hatch so I know where that 72 hour window of opportunity is so it's extremely important to know what's going on Okay, you don't know that when you get birds shipped in you don't know when they were hatched you really don't even have a clue as to when they were shipped until you, until you get them and then you got to sit down and try to figure it out so it's really important um, and I won't argue the point 9500 
uh, it's it's up to you. But if you listen to the birds and you watch and observe, those birds are going to tell you what the situation is. And if you're going to put them in a situation where they're going to spend all of their time trying to stay warm, then you're defeating the purpose because they're going to be behind in growth because they're expending all that energy to keep warm when they really need that energy to grow. And they will end up start being lagging behind in size and, and so on, especially the, the weaker ones, the, the smaller ones, uh, may even succumb to it. Those are the ones that, that constantly... Uh, uh, they, they chirp and chirp and chirp and chirp till the cows come home. Uh, they're dehydrated. Um, they're not drinking. They're, they're not eating. They're, they're fighting to stay warm. And you don't have enough brooder space for them under the heat source. And it, it really is important from, from that perspective. And uh, you really need to pay attention to, to the birds. They will tell you everything that they, that, that they need. <clears throat> you need to have enough space. Like Andy alluded to, you want to have enough space in the brooder itself. Okay, away from the heat source, so that if it is a little bit warm out today and, and the, the temperature come up in the room and you don't happen to be around, that those birds can scoot around to the outside, cool off, uh, and they're not in there panting because they're going to have trouble. They're going to have trouble maintaining that body temperature. That body temperature is going to rise. They're small. Uh, they're going to dehydrate very quickly uh, with panting. Uh, when we talked about uh, summertime conditions, we talked about when a bird starts to get into the panting situation, they're already in trouble at that point. Same goes for these little guys. So you kind of got to watch out for them, and you got to you know, got to pay attention to it, and you have to adjust the brooder, the brooder uh, heating unit <coughs> to the birds. Okay? You just can't throw it up there, and, 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 uh, and I'm sure people do because I know. I see it. I see it all the time. Um, I just... Um, on Facebook here, just uh, last night, somebody got some birds shipped in from somebody. Uh, best I could tell, they got them shipped in twice, and they end up dead twice. Something right there. I can tell you that right now. You know, something's got awful wrong. There were only six birds, so uh, I, I don't understand. Don't know whether they're getting told the whole story either. But um, supposedly had a, uh, a post-mortem done, and, you know, of course they found E. coli. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me until you tell me where you found it. And that wasn't available. Um just seemed like the, the the person wanted to moan and groan more about the fact that they lost uh, these very valuable birds, um, and um, you know the party who's selling doesn't want to reimburse and this that and the other thing. But um, so let's talk a little bit about the birds anyway. When you get the birds, I, I saw that post and I had liked some of your comments on there, and, and um, uh, paid nothing was like nine hundred dollars for six birds or something. Yeah, and I, I will say this to you uh, without mentioning names, uh, which I wouldn't do. Um, if you follow anything uh, that that individual does, is always a crisis. So I don't know who to blame. I, I just wanted to make it clear uh, from my perspective that, you know, uh, E. coli is part of, of, the, of the intestinal tract of, of most birds. Uh, if it's found, it's not a big deal. If it's found in great numbers and in different places like the air sacs, the lungs, the trachea, then you've got a problem. But if it's found in the gut in reasonable numbers, not a big deal. If it's, if it's uh, what we would consider too numerous to count, uh, uh, then you've got a problem there as well. So it just depends. Um, you know, uh, and, if, and if it's true um, that, they, that, the, you know, that the E. coli was part of the mortality of, of these birds, uh, I understand these birds are only about a week old, um, they, then this, this is 
you know, usually we look at mortality in the first week being a hatchery problem or a hatching problem. Uh, dirty eggs, dirty incubation. Uh, uh, you know, I've seen plenty of pictures uh, on YouTube. I've seen plenty on on uh, on Facebook and a zillion that people send me of of their operations and stuff. And while some have some really really good setups and, and keep them nice and clean and everything else, there are a whole bunch that are a mess. And uh, it's a wonder they're able to hatch anything decent out of out of the stuff. And then you know, then there's the other other bunch that want to hatch every egg that chicken lays, no matter what. And you get the mud balls, the dirt balls, and uh, and all of those, and you halfway clean them up, and you know put them in a in an incubation situation, and then they end up contaminating everything else. So, um, yeah, I don't know where that one's going, but uh, um, it just depends on on where the chicks are coming from, how I would handle them. Uh, I will tell you this: uh, the first thing I would do upon getting a sh- uh, birds shipped in is uh, give them some water to drink. Now, I had somebody contact me about the fact that they were told to give these birds uh, very warm water. Now, I'll go back and talk about uh, that real quick because I think that's counterproductive. Uh, okay. I, I know where they're, where they're coming from. The idea is uh, if you give them cold water, it's going to be harder for them to maintain their body temperature. Okay, so I'll give you that one a little bit, okay? But giving them water that's 100 degrees is not good either. Because if you look at the body temperature of being around 106, what did we say in the summertime? As the water approaches their body temperature, they stop drinking it. The idea of this is that uh, with this 100 degrees or 90 degrees or whatever, is that because it's warm, they're going to drink more. No, they're not. No, they're not. The water should be cool, not cold, not hot. Somewhere in between, I would say maybe lukewarm. Uh, just above room temperature should be ideal. And I would take every bird and I would bring them over to the water and I would dip their beak in it and make them stand right there and and, and have sufficient, um, um, you know, uh, watering space available so that birds don't have to push each other around uh, and all that kind of stuff. If you've got a big enough uh, brooding area, uh, put a gallon of water in there. What difference does it make? Uh, you know, and if you're worried about birds drowning and you've got, you know, bantams and real small birds, Get the one quart no drown base. They, that's impossible for them to to uh, to drown in it. That's uh, they, they can't really get into it. There's, there's sufficient space there for them to drink uh, without getting in the in the water. In actuality, it's harder for them to poop in it. They don't get as much junk in it because it's not that wide. Okay, and they fit right on all of your your basic one quart type uh, bottles. And you can always you know move away from as they grow. You can move away from the no drown base to a regular base, and uh, give them more watering space that way. But um, that's one of the first things I would do. What would I put in that water? Well, I would put a good vitamin uh, and electrolyte compound that has a probiotic in it. And it might even add a touch of additional probiotic to it as well. Um, We know from the research that it's extremely important to uh, get the gut populated with uh, what we call gut-friendly bacteria, uh, non-invasive, non-disease-causing bacteria, so that it can keep the bad guys out. And what did we say a few minutes ago, that they're, they're born with an immune system that is still uh, struggling to function? It's going to be at least several days before uh, the uh, gut is, at least six days, before that gut is going to mature enough uh, to start really doing something uh, from a, uh, uh, an immunity standpoint. 
the sequel tonsils are going to take as much as six weeks to develop. Okay? And uh, so you, you need to be careful, you know, what you do. I don't think you need to go crazy. Um, I don't think you need to put a thermometer in the water. I think common sense. But as you approach their body temperature, they back away from the water. So I don't think I would put the water where the heat source is. I think I'd put it away from it. Um, and then after they've had an opportunity to, to drink, I would let them eat immediately because eating and drinking is important. I told you uh, a while back about the company in Europe that now has a, uh, a, a hatcher where as soon as they hatch out, they go right to the sides of it and they get food and water immediately. And um, what they're finding, heavier birds, healthier birds, uh, less disease problems, less dehydration, less mortality, uh, all of these things. It's, it's all to your advantage. Every little thing that you do that to, to take care of them in this brooding situation uh, is extremely important, as is the temperature. If you want to start at 95 degrees, hey, you can always go up, okay? You can always go up, but you don't want them to spend all of their time eating and drinking just to maintain their body temperature because they're, they're not going to grow. I don't care what kind of bird it is. They, I mean, it doesn't mean they're not going to grow at all. They're going to struggle to grow, and they, they don't need that. What they need to be is de-stressed. So plenty of food, plenty of clean water with the proper vitamin electrolyte probiotic compound in it, and uh, a good heat source that is of the proper temperature uh, that will allow the birds to get away from that heat source if conditions change as the bird grows. Um, as far as the height of the, uh, of the, of the heat source is concerned, uh, again, the birds will tell you, if you put it too high, they're all going to be huddled under it constantly looking for the heat. And uh, so I don't propose to know uh, what everybody's operation is and, and, and so on, but <clears throat> uh, a reasonable height uh, above their heads so that uh, the birds can, can come to that heater, uh, get some, some warmth, and get away from it if it becomes uh, you know, too hot for them. Um, as far as um, the, the brooding part of it is, is concerned, there's pros and cons of everything, just like uh, Andy was talking about the 95-degree temperature. I'm talking about a day of, a, of maybe 100 degrees, and maybe the next day uh, after that you could drop it down two or three more degrees. So if we start at 100, you come down to 97. It's close to Andy's 95. Um, over the course of, of four or five more days, you, you might come down another f uh, uh, five degrees uh, on the temperature. Um, and, uh, and, again, I would judge that by how the birds are reacting. What are they telling you? Are they constantly cold? If they're constantly cold, look for drafts. You don't want any drafts in this place, wherever you're keeping them. The air outside, the brooder itself can be cold, but you don't want any direct uh, wind uh, or anything like that blowing down uh, on the area uh, where the birds are going to be. Uh, some people brood in a garage. That's fine. But if your garage door is leaky as a sieve, uh, you need to, you know, put some plastic up and, and keep that kind of thing away from them so that they're not constantly uh, under pressure, uh, trying to st stay warm, uh, burning up all their calories, trying to, trying to keep their body temperature up. It just, it just makes good common sense for you to do that. So, again, as far as the height, the birds will tell you. As far as the temperature, technically, the birds will tell you there. You have to have a starting point, and whether you start at 95, you start at 100, makes no difference to me. Um, again, I would judge it by birds that are being shipped in. Um, you know, and look, if you're getting birds shipped in, and it's you know 
100 degrees outside, um, you know, I, I think that you know, it's not going to be a big deal as to whether you start your brooder at 100 degrees or you start it at 95. Really, I don't think it's going to matter very much. What is going to matter if those birds have been under those kind of conditions is getting some water and then some food into them. Okay, that is going to be one, you know, one of the biggest things as, as far as as, uh, as those two items are concerned. I may be repeating myself, but it's nice to repeat yourself when it's the right thing to do, when it's something that you need to be careful with, and make sure that you know the birds are talking to you and you're responding to what they're telling you. Okay, and you've heard me say before, old Dr. Jim Cecil, good friend of mine, years ago when I had a different job and he was a hog veterinarian, he said. Do three things. Stop, look, and listen. He said, and the animal will always tell you what's going on. And 99% of the time, that statement is going to be true. And it's certainly going to be true in a brooding situation. I don't know about you, Andy, but uh, those are the kind of things I found about the brooding temperature. Um, you know, I don't know what people are telling you as, as when you go to do your seminars and stuff, but uh makes sense to me. Um, Again, if I was yeah, brooding. You see, you see that posted so often, whether it be blogs, forums, or whatever, and they're just so focused on that 95. Um, and um, they don't talk about you know, the chicks. You know, some will be closer, some will be closer. They're just so focused on that because it, it's been around forever, the 95 the first week, and then reduce it five degrees every week after that. They don't give them all the, the details and the science about the bird or anything like that. They're just so focused on that one um, I don't know what you call it, just uh, you know, snippet of information because it's been out there forever, and and uh, they focus on that, but they they don't get into all the other information. Um, and then you know things like if you if you add a thermometer, like you, you said, watching the birds, they'll tell you. Um, I've never had a thermometer in any of my breeders because you watch the birds, and that goes back to a totally different career I had when I was a paramedic, and you're monitoring a patient on the heart monitor on and. Uh, on the defibrillator, and you, you you get caught up with so many paramedics that are, you know, looking at the monitor, and, and you'll have someone say, even in training, how do you treat that? And they point at the monitor. You're not training treating that. You're not treating the monitor. You're treating the patient. The patient's going to tell you a lot of stuff. The monitor's just a tool. So um, so it goes back to even cross careers for me and things. But uh, it's just so many people get so focused on that. So that's one thing that's kind of a pet peeve of mine when we share that uh, as well about about the temperature and, and things like that. I'm glad you mentioned that 72-hour hatch time frame. We've talked about that many times on the show mm-hmm. for many different di- different reasons. And getting them food and water as soon as you possibly can because, um, yes, they can absorb the yolk. Yes, they'll use that for survival not you know, uh, for, for 72 hours or up to. Um, but it, it, the sooner you can get them that food and water, the sooner they can use that yolk for other things like fighting disease and keeping them healthy, um, and then they use the food that you give them for survival. Um, it's so many different things like that. But yeah, that that was my point. You just see so many, so much. No matter where you look, 95 degrees, 95 degrees, 95 degrees, and then five degrees after that. And, and I, you know, just just uh, wanted to let everybody know that, that that's a tool that you might want to be able to use, an easy tool to remember, and and a generic tool, but it may not be cookie-cutter approach for for everybody, and not every bird, of course. So, but, um, yeah, great, great points, uh, as always. Yeah, you know, again, the 72-hour uh, you know, window of opportunity there for the bird to survive um, surely is, is based on some reasonable uh, 
you know, conditions. Um, I've never seen the actual test data on it. I probably, if I'd looked for it in my office, I could probably find it. Um, but the the issue would be for me that the the cooler the temperature and or the warmer the temperature. See, because birds that are shipped in a warmer temperature are going to pant. They're going to be burning up calories because that's what we're really talking about here is caloric intake. So if you're burning up those calories, okay, uh, at a faster rate, then your 72-hour window of opportunity is going to shrink. Um, it, it's, it just makes sense. And so, again, going back and looking uh, at birds that were, were hatched out in, in the middle of the night for a shipment that next morning, um, they may be already 8, 10, 12 hours. So it started at midnight, you know, the day the day that the birds were, were shipped. So, by, And if it's a two- or three-day ship, which a lot of the stuff now is becoming at least a two-day ship, um, you know, they're, they're going to be at the, at the threshold of, of running on empty. And I don't want to belabor the point, but it is a very valid and a very important point for people to, to, uh, to look at. So the birds that are shipped in cooler weather are going to go the opposite way. They are going to be struggling to keep that body temperature up, hence burning up more energy, just like humans do, okay, just like you do. If you're outside and it's freezing cold uh, and you've only got a T-shirt on and it's uh, a wind chill factor of uh, five below outside, uh, you're going to burn up the calories that you've got a lot quicker than you would if your that temperature was stabilized closer to 70 degrees. So not to belabor the point, but that's <clears throat> that's the way I look at it, and I think that's the way it should be looked at. Um, I see way too often lots of birds uh, that, that were shipped and, and not handled properly, not only during shipment but after they arrived at their destination. And uh, it's how well you take care of them. Folks, it's, it means all the difference in the world about how many are going to survive and how well they're going to do for you at the end of the day. So it's it's all up to you. Um, something else to be talked about, I guess, is uh, bedding. I really don't care what you use. Uh, makes no difference to me whatsoever uh, as long as you're using something that is not going to be slippery for them. So um, being on concrete's no fun for chicken or human. Um, so I, I would. You know, I'm, I'm a, more of a fan of shavings, and uh, so I would find a good uh, pine shaving that I liked, uh, one that wasn't too dusty, uh, and, and go with, if you're on concrete, you want to put down several inches of that, because uh, the birds have a tendency to want to dig in it and, and that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't use sand on, on uh, baby chicks. You might want to use it if they get older, but <clears throat> I think the baby chicks, uh, from what I've seen, have a tendency to want to eat it. Uh, the same thing with real fine uh, shavings. Uh, I'm not a big fan of straw. I'm not a big fan of hay, uh, and that's due to aspergillosis, the uh, the molds that are, are carried uh, uh, by hay. And I know people that use it, and I'm okay with it. Just like I said in the beginning, I don't care what you use. Um, the hay and, and the and the straw generally don't absorb a lot of moisture, um, so it can make for slippery uh, slippery surroundings for birds. But um, they're your birds. Um, I'm just here to, to guide you with some information that is factual. Um, and uh, if if that those were good beddings, you would see the commercial poultry industry use them because uh, technically uh, straw that can be put through a chopper and chopped up is relatively inexpensive to a lot of other things. 
and uh, they would be all over it. They've tried newspaper shredded. They've tried all kinds of things, and it just doesn't work. So um, uh, the bedding, that's up to you. Do you want to you know, keep the bedding as dry as possible? Um, it also helps you prevent uh, coccidiosis and things of that nature. Um, moving on, uh, the feed. Uh, if you're um, going to start out chicks, a medicated starter is, is the way to go from my perspective. Um, if you're not going to do the medicated starter, um, then you're going to set yourself up more than likely for bouts of coccidiosis um, and chick mortality. Um, if you are looking to go organic, uh, I just received a uh, report, preliminary information from a study that's going on here in, in commercial broilers where coccidiosis is always a problem. Um, and the oil of oregano that I sell uh, has uh, outperformed the coccidiosis vaccine, and that's a major breakthrough. And so if you're interested in organic and you're not interested in using medicated feed, then I urge you to pick up some of the oil of oregano that we sell on our website. comes with directions, uh, easy to use, will not <coughs> clog up your waters, doesn't lay on the top, goes right into solution, uh, and uh, you should uh, do very well with that, with that product uh, as far as that's concerned. If you're not interested in it, it doesn't matter one way or another to you, and your medicated starter that you're going to get at the feed store uh, is going to be the uh, the, the way to go. Um, the can't emphasize enough the fresh feed, the fresh water. Put uh, plenty of it out. What I like to do, and what somebody else likes to do with the feed, is a different different story. I like to take um, I use a pl plastic uh, feed pan that the commercial poultry industry uses, and uh, I forget what their dimensions are, maybe two and a half feet by foot or so uh, wide. And um, they're red in color, uh, pulls the birds to the feed, and you put a small uh, chick-type feeder in the middle of that, and you sprinkle some feed all around it so that they come right up to it, um, eat, eat out of that. I like to do that for the first day or two until you get the birds acclimated to the feed. Then you can just take the feed pan away clean it up, put it away for, until you need it the next time. Uh, if you leave it out there too long, then they get the habit of going in it and use it as a, as a, as a uh, uh, like a cat litter box, more or less, and it uh, becomes a, a, a place to go poop, and and uh, you waste a lot of feed by doing that. But in the first day or two, it gets them all acclimated to it. It's easy to get to. The feeder is right there. <clears throat> and uh, that seems to work well for me. Uh, whether or not it works well for everybody else, uh, that's up to you. And I'm sure there are loads of people out there that have their own methodology that they've been using, and I'm okay with that as well. But this is something that, that I do. Uh, it gets them acclimated to it right away. Uh, they don't have to go looking for it. It's right there. It's in front of them. Uh, I usually put maybe a half inch around the, the, the uh, in depth around the feeder itself, maybe three or four inches away from it. Um, and usually they'll go there, they'll clean that up, and then they'll go and investigate what's in the feeder. And after everybody gets an opportunity to do that, um, you know, the next day or so you can take that away and just let them go right right to the feeder. Um, as far as, you know, uh, so we've got the feed, we've got the water, we've got the brooding, we've got the brooder. Uh, brooder size really doesn't matter. Um, if you only got a few chicks, obviously you don't need a, a large area. Um, 
but if you've got uh, 25, 30, 40 chicks, you're going to want something that's going to allow those birds to spread out when they don't need all the heat. Um, and um, the medicated starter, that's up to you. The water temperature of, the, of the, uh, uh, the temperature of the drinking water that you're going to give them, I urge you not to let it get too hot. <clears throat> I think that you're going to find that those birds uh, are going to dehydrate on you. Uh, use a good vitamin electrolyte compound that has a probiotic in it. We do sell one. It's called VitaPro B. It's the best on the market as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I have loads and loads of people that order and reorder it and reorder it. So there must be something to it other than my word. Um, Andy, did you want to take a break for your commercials? or? Yeah, we can go ahead and uh, do that. Okay. Perfect timing. No problem. Then we'll come back and, uh, and continue. Folks, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Visit them online, firststatevetsupply.com. And we're talking all about brooding today. So, uh, again, maintain uh, your pen and paper because we'll return right after this short break. Stay with us. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 
888-447-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. How would you like a punch in the beak? All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Don't forget to head over and visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Chicken Whisperer, online at chickenwhisperer.com, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State. VetSupply.com. We're talking about Brody today, and I'll turn it back over to you, Doc, to finish up. Yeah, not not a whole lot more on this particular uh, issue. Um, like I said, the <clears throat> the medicated starter um, is uh, the way most people go. But if you're interested in the uh, in the um, organic route, I would strongly suggest the oil of oregano. Um, we've had just tremendous success with it. Uh, as a matter of fact, if they go to uh, the online edition of the Chicken Whisperer magazine. They can read all about the article that I wrote on that uh, what, last time around. I think it was. I can't remember. And, uh, but um, it's a uh, it's a good product, um, and it's uh, certainly um, uh, going to keep you in that uh, that organic category with, without any any trouble. Um, one of the other things, uh, if you're using um, a feeder. Uh, as the birds get a little bit older, some people use the old galvanized uh, uh, metal f- uh, feeders. They're they're narrow in width but long in length. They come in all different sizes. Um, you want to leave uh, at, at least a foot of feeder space for every 25 uh, chicks or so. Okay. Uh, personally, myself, I'd, I'd leave a little bit more. But rule of thumb, that's that's the that's the standard what people I have a tendency to want to do a little bit more so that nobody's fighting over it and uh, 
because chicks are kind of funny. If you start them off in the beginning, they're like kids. They start out with bad habits. Those habits continue on. Research shows that, that birds that are, are generally aggressive in the beginning end up aggressive at the end. So you want to try to uh, mitigate the aggressive uh, situations uh, that they have uh, uh, in, in the brooder as quickly as, as, as you can, kind of like the bully on the block type thing. Um, you know, one of the, uh, you know, we talk about uh, heat sources all the time, and one of the uh, advantages of the Sweeta heater is the fact that it uh, it doesn't get above 185 degrees. You can put your hand on it and not get burned. You can't do that with a light bulb. You can't do that with a heat lamp. Um, it heats a greater area. Um, if, Like I said, if you have an 11 by 11 Sweeta heater, it's going to heat that whole entire area. Uh, the 11 by 16, same thing, 11 by 30, 11 by 40, it's going to heat that whole huge area, whereas your heat lamps don't do that. They heat pretty much right smack under them, uh, and that's about it. And as you start to drift away from it, the, the edges of that, it gets pretty cold, especially if the air in the air, uh, room uh, where the brooder is being kept uh, is, is not really warm. So, you know, you might want to take all of these things into consideration, um, Today and today only, if you go to the web store, you can buy the Sweeter Heater with free shipping. That's a, that's a bonus. I swore I wasn't going to do it again this year, but I decided with this cold weather, I'll help everybody out. Free shipping, um, all Sweeter Heaters from now through midnight. And the way it works is you go to the store, order your Sweeter Heater. It will automatically put in shipping. We'll take that off here in the office. Nothing, get office, nothing gets uh, processed directly from the website anyway. Okay, we do it all here in-house, so uh, uh, we just get your order on the web, and then we, we put it in, in a different system here in the office to take care of it. So uh, you'll pay, you know, if it tells you that it's eighty nine ninety five for the suite of heater that you want, that's exactly what you'll pay, not a penny more. So um, that's a, a bonus for everybody today. Do you have anything more on brooding, Andy? No, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm about, I was just switching over to post that on our Facebook page, free shipping to midnight tonight at First state that supply on the uh, sweeter heaters, and that, that's any size sweeter heater they want to purchase. And it, and it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, we'll, 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 we'll pick the choice. They, you know, they'll, they'll have to uh, pick a choice for shipping, but the shipping will be on, on our end will be our, our choice of how it goes. Whichever one is cheapest on my end is the way I'll send it. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I've uh, got a couple going out today that way that, um, that um, you're going, going free shipping on them. So. Uh, I wanted to mention quickly uh, Rynec. Um, it uh, seems to be a a, a, um, a problem that is continuing on. Uh, silkies are more uh, prone to it. I see more of a problem uh, uh, in that particular breed. Um, this this can be a a, a number of, of different things, and um, there's a lot of folks that have honed in on just the vitamin E selenium uh, combination, and sometimes uh, that does work. Uh, although I think it's more the vitamin E than it is the selenium, uh, it, it only takes a minuscule amount of selenium uh, to be what we call efficient in that particular uh, um, uh, mineral. The the uh, the vitamin E is a little bit different; takes a little bit more uh, of, of of that to um, to um, mitigate the, the situation, but what people don't understand either is that certain amino acids also play into 
the absorption of the uh, vitamin E and the selenium. Okay, so it would make sense to me to supplement with a good vitamin electrolyte product, uh, vitamin E and selenium, and also uh, with the um, uh, amino acid compound. And <clears throat> that may be the key to turning some of these birds around that, that don't seem to want to get better. Uh, barring the fact that the wry neck problem is being caused by a head injury, that's a different story. That's a whole different uh, ball of wax. But uh, if the bird hasn't been injured, and um, some of the, some some people have birds that go through this two or three times, and eventually it it it's, it mitigates itself and goes away. Uh, the type of selenium that you're going to give to a bird can also play a role uh, in the uh, outcome of a of a problem where the bird is is deficient in in the uh, in the selenium. And by that I mean there are two different types. Uh, there is an organic and an inorganic uh, type. The inorganic type is probably not going to help you, not very well absorbed. Um, you want to get the uh, organic type, something that's going to be fairly rapidly absorbed. Um, and one of the reasons why I don't think that, uh, that, that, um, that it's selenium, that's the problem all the time, is the fact that uh, birds can be deficient uh, in vitamin E, and selenium will take up for that uh, deficiency uh, of vitamin E for a short period of time. Uh, and it will not work vice versa, okay? If you're efficient in vitamin E, vitamin E will do nothing to help that selenium if the selenium is indeed uh, deficient. So a couple of things to keep in mind. I see it all the time. I just thought I'd throw it out there today because it is a, a hot topic in a couple of, of the forums. And... Uh, I know we've been through it. We did a whole show and stuff on it, but I just thought for today we'd throw it back out there again and see how it floats. Awesome. Nope. Very good. I've had a, a, a chick that, or a chicken that had that, and um, it, uh, we we gave it those uh, vitamins, and but it was just uh, amazing the process of how that it, it made it uh, not even noticeable. It's absolutely uh, amazing. So uh, it's, it's kind of neat that the things you can do and. And help your uh, help your chickens out. So, oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And we do thank sell, you. by the way, a, a water soluble vitamin E and a water soluble selenium vitamin E compound. So, just throw that out there. Cool. I just posted on our uh, Chicken Whisper Facebook page free shipping uh, through midnight tonight on all sweeter heaters at First Aid Vet Supply. So, you can go to our Facebook page and click and go right over to the. Uh, First Aid Vet Supply Store and uh, order those. You can also get your Oxine, which is so hard to find other than online there at First Aid Vet Supply. Uh, and one of my favorite products that Peter has there at his store is the Emergency Medicine Kit. It's not a first aid kit. It's an emer it's a emergency medicine kit um, because so many times we'll have people call in when we do call-in shows. We, we're actually due for one of those, Peter. Maybe we can do it next Monday. Um, do a call-in show, a Q&A, and um, Peter will ask him, say, okay, well, well, you know, do you have this on hand? Can we start on this? Oh, no, I need to order that. You, you, you know. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a kit that has uh, uh, a lot of meds in it, but smaller dose, smaller valves. So, for example, uh, they, these things expire. These meds expire. So instead of having this 80 bottle on, $80 bottle on hand with all this med in it, 
um, you now have a smaller bottle. So if you don't have to use it, that's a good thing. Uh, but you're not out $80 for the big bottle that you can find in other stores. You're just out a smaller amount. I think it's $24.95 and uh, has a lot of um, uh, treatments in it and medicine in it that, that you can start for, for a lot of ailments. So that's one of my favorite products that he has, and which was developed for you, the chicken owner, you know, with you in mind so you don't have to waste your money and having things expire that you don't use. It's just, it's not, nobody else, I don't think, has anything like it. And it's really an, an amazing thing. Peter, thank you so much uh, for coming on today, and we'll talk to you uh, uh, next Monday. Okay, look forward to it. Thank you. Good. Hope you have a great week. Uh, Peter Brown, the Chicken Doctor, also founder of FirstStateThatSupply.com. Remember, free shipping today only on Sweeter Heaters there. I just posted on our Facebook page with a link to his store. So, hey, thanks for tuning in today, folks. We do appreciate it. We've got a good week lined up of shows for you this week. I'll be posting the topics, of course, on our Facebook page, and we'll, of course, be broadcasting right here on Blog Talk Radio, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a blessed day.